Hello, everybody. You are listening to Talking About Death Will Not Kill You. I am your host, Lisa, and today I am speaking to wonderful Christy. Hi, Christy. Hi. How's going? Good, thank you. You belong to a great charity or a group of volunteers, a charitable organisation called Feel the Magic. Yeah. Now, I'd never actually heard of it until I'd gone to a death cafe with a group of like-minded people like myself who talk about death openly and, you know, don't think it's taboo. And one of those people there is a volunteer that has been to your camps before. Oh, wonderful. So she she shared about it and um, I then got in touch with you guys and you you recently just had a camp so it's going to be great to talk to you because I, I I have an idea like I know what you guys do but I want you yeah. to um, just verbally vomit on me and tell me what Feel the Magic does. Sure of course. Well Feel the Magic was founded back in 2012 after my husband and I went on a trip to Disneyland. Okay. Um and we actually went on that trip to Disneyland because my husband had lost his mum on his 31st birthday, oh, shit. which just happened to be the same day that we were moving into our sort of, you know, the thing that you call your dream home. It was something that we'd saved for a really long time. And we were super excited because we were going to be moving his mum in with us. Right. Now, a few years prior to that, he had lost his dad as well, and he's an only child. So um, he had sort of committed to, you know, he's going to look after his mum, he's going to take care of her, and, um, yeah, we just sort of had this whole future planned out in our dream home um, in a beautiful place called Pitt Town. And, you know, I have one son. I had one son already, and... James and I were going to move into this home and, you know, start a family. And then suddenly on the day that we were moving, his mum passed away from an aneurysm. Oh, so that was quite sudden and unexpected. It was. It was shocking. And although his mum was in her 70s, she was still driving, still walking the dog every single day. She just, you know, arrive at my house and clean it um, top to bottom. So, you know, she was still very active and had no health issues. Yes, so it was, it was just so out of the blue and um, it really, really, really hit him hard mm. and I think it, it kind of made him reassess everything in life up until that point, mm. you know, like is having a business and working so hard really what he wanted to do and, um, you know, people would come in to work and with their petty kind of, First world problems. Silly little complaints and, yeah, yeah, absolutely first world problems. And he just, like, he really was not coping with his grief and he just yeah. didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Eventually I sort of kicked him in the butt and said, all right, you've got to do something about this. Um, so he was lucky enough to be able to sell his business to his business partner mm-hmm. and move on. And we that's when we went on our holiday to the States where we found ourselves in Disneyland and um, while we were in Disneyland, he sort of had an epiphany where um, after two years of just being in the darkest place, he was just, he sort of felt a connection to his childhood again. Mm-hmm. Both of us did. And he sort of looked over to me. I'll never forget the moment. He said, why don't we raise money to send kids to the happiest place on earth, but kids who have lost a parent or a sibling. 
and almost immediately, like, I knew I said yes because I myself am a brief child. So I had lost my brother when I was two years old. So I know very much what it's like to grow up in a family who's grieving. Um, For myself, being such a young child, I don't think I actually addressed my grief until I was about 20. Yeah. And I said yes straight away. So we came back and we raised money to send kids to Disneyland and eventually we sent 14 families over to Disneyland to have that experience. Um, And throughout that journey of a couple of years of sending those families, we realized, well, the amount of money that we were raising to send one family, what what we noticed was those families were actually getting so much more benefit and lifelong impact by having a community of people that were like-minded than they were for the the actual experience. Yeah. Yeah, so all of those families had become quite close and supportive of each other. And so it was just seemed like the obvious next step was, well, let's create an educational program for these kids to have lifelong impact. And um, Camp Magic was born, so... That's our signature camp, which is two and a half days um, grief camp for kids aged 7 to 17 who have lost a parent, sibling, or legal guardian. And they basically come together. They are provided with um, grief education, you know, like tools on how to deal with their grief, how to um, process what they're feeling, so yeah. emotional literacy. Yeah. And... Um, they actually come and have a really good time. So we match them one-on-one with a volunteer mentor and that mentor stays with them throughout the whole process. So we have a very structured environment where we do um, some therapeutic-based things where they'll go into smaller groups with other kids their age with um, mental health professionals leading Mm -hmm. and they do... um, emotional literacy and then outside of that they'll do um you know teamwork type things they do recreational activities like rock climbing or um archery those types of things um and yeah just basically, general fun activities as well yeah other fun activities we have a disco and then sort of the pinnacle of the weekend is saturday night where we have a memorial service for the for all of the children where they have an opportunity to write a, a message or a letter to their loved one and place it in the fire. Right. So everything we do from Friday afternoon to Saturday night is sort of leading into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we teach them skills so that we, well, first of all, we let them know that it's okay to cry about um, what's happening and it's okay to feel big emotions. But the key element to the program is it's okay to feel those things and when we do, what do we do? So right. teaching, them how to seek, teaching them how to seek help externally but then also um, self-reflection and self-soothing and self-care, empowering them to be able to go, okay, I'm feeling really angry right now. So um, what's something that I can do that I know is going to bring my level of distress down? And so we 
help them identify all of their self-care strategies and things that they can do and then also who they can reach out to for help. So Wow. So they how- get to that Saturday sorry. No, they no. get to that they get to that Saturday night. It's kind of the pinnacle and then Sunday is our celebration day where we um, invite the parents back and quite literally they just, you know, look at these children and have had a, a life changing experience where it's not very it's very unique for them to be able to say, Hey, I know sixty other kids who have had a bereavement the same as me. It's so, amazing, yes. Yeah. So and since then since then we've sort of branched we have branched out. COVID uh, absolutely kicked us in the butt when we had to cancel our face to face camps and yeah. we went virtual. Right. So so we have two separate virtual camps that we provide the kids. One's called the Healthy Grieving Program and the other is a Let's Talk Suicide Program for suicide specifically bereaved kids only. Right. Um, and then we have a one-day camp, which is called Family Day Camp, and that camp is for kids and families to come. It's almost like a buffer for them before they go to Camp Magic to connect with other families and also connect with our team and our our ideas and things like that so they can feel much more comfortable by being left for two and a half days without their parents. Right, right. Yeah. Um, So how do you feel those online sessions? I mean, I would assume they're not as good as the actual face-to-face camp, but how how have they gone? Well, um, so I just ran a program last weekend and I've got one coming up this weekend. So last weekend we had... 10 to 13 years and we had 24 kids come through the program right so we we max out a program at 12 mm-hmm. and so we actually ran two consecutively on the one weekend mm-hmm. and basically <clears throat> it's going really well because it means that anyone in australia can access this program because currently our face-to-face programs are only running in not only, but we are in New South Wales, ACT and Victoria. Right. And so the health and grieving program virtually means that anyone can log on anywhere in Oz, yep. which is fantastic. And then um, it's it's only, it's four hours, so four one-hour sessions at a time, and it's, it's, it's like an introduction to what we do. The best part about it is they get to connect with other kids. Um one of the key things about a grieving child is they actually think they're the only one. Yes. And in a school situation or a school environment or even in their peer group, usually they are the only one. Mm-hmm. You know, rarely do yes. they know other kids or are they close with other kids that that have this same situation. Right. So, so this is yeah, open to they, kids that have lost either one or both parents? Yep, so parent, guardian or, sorry, a parent, legal guardian or a sibling. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. and there's, you know, there are times we have people who um, have both parents but, you know, the grandmother or the grandfather lived full-time with them, that yes. kind of thing. Yes, so there are, there are inclusions that are outside of that because, yeah, we want to support as many kids as possible. Okay. And how do these kids find you or, or how do you find them? How is that connection made? Um, so various ways. 
often and very commonly the parents searching for us. Mm-hmm. So they're actually looking for support for their child and they don't know where to go. So mm. a Google search is always good. Yeah. We've just spent a heap of money and time on SEO to ensure that if they're looking that they find us. Yes. Um, because we are, you know, a needle in a haystack. Yes. We're not, there's not, we are essentially a small charity that not a lot of people know about. We did just recently... Um, feature on Celebrity Apprentice, which was an amazing awareness campaign for us. And yep. also we had great donations come from that, um, from the show itself. Wow. But, yeah, word of mouth, um, slowly and surely we're getting referrals from social workers like kids in foster care, um, other psychologists and counsellors who do one-on-one work with with clients or children um, but can also see the benefit of kids interacting with other kids, um, that group kind of sessions. Yes. And and then re- more recently we've been sort of connecting with other charities because mm-hmm. there's a lot of other charities we can align with who, um, you know, cancer charities or there's an incredible organisation called Standby who support um, anyone who's suffered a bereavement by suicide, yep. then they've sort of got that option for kids. So, awesome. Yeah, That's amazing. Various ways. Yeah. And um, so you mentioned the that you guys are in Vic, ACT in New South Wales. So I imagine it started in New South Wales and then spread yeah. to those other two states? Yeah. So we started here in New South Wales and basically the first camp was um, a good chunk of friends and family that we knew that we um, enrolled into coming along and volunteering and mm-hmm. slowly um, we, we recruited more and then uh, we decided to hold a camp down in ACT because we had we actually had um, a father who had lost his wife and his children were wanting to come to a camp who had raised money and said, look, I want to donate the money to you guys. Can you hold a camp here and I'll help you get it off, off the ground right. by introducing you to people in the area that, you know, can help support. So that's how we ended up in ACT. Right. And then uh, we had quite a few, we had so many inquiries from Victoria of children we even had children coming up from Victor, like driving and flying in to attend the other camps. to come to our Sydney camps, and wow. we just knew we had an audience there, so we we um, expanded there. And now, COVID unfortunately has put us back a couple of years in our expansion, but you know we're looking to go national over the next ten years for sure. Wow, that's amazing! So, how often are these uh, are these camps held? Um, so Camp Magic, we just felt held our first camp in Sydney for two years, which was an incredible um, emotional kind of thing to be back. Yeah. But so previous to this, setup, you hadn't had one since two thousand and nineteen, I would imagine. So yes, yeah, right, yeah. So we're looking at um, four camps in Sydney. Uh, moving forward, yep. and then two in the other smaller states. Yep. 
<clears throat> but the Healthy Grieving Program runs every three months for each age group. Right. So it's quite, they can access that quite quickly. Yes. Anyone who makes inquiries. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the family day camp, we, we hold two per year in each of the areas that we're in. So we've just branched out into the Hunter, New England area. Oh, wow. In Sydney. So we have, in New South Wales, sorry. So we have Sydney and then we have also the Hunter region. Wow. And we had a camp there early in this year and we had 40 kids attend. So, how many yeah, kids an incredible can, amount of kids. How many kids can you have at these? Or have you had like the maximum amount of kids have you had attend a camp in the past? Uh, we're looking at, um, with, with restrictions at the moment, we're looking at 50 max. Yeah. Our Sydney camp, we had 56, I think, because... We have so many kids on the waiting list. Um, we bumped it out a little bit more. But, yeah, about 50 seems to be a good amount to manage because, you know, we've got 50 kids on camp, which means there's 50 mentors. Yes. Po- possibly a few extra because if we have children who might have any kind of special needs, then we double them. They have two mentors right. for support. Yep. Um so, yeah, then you're talking about a facilitation team of about 10 to 15 and then a delivery team of about six. So That's a lot of people to coordinate. It is a lot of people in one place mm-hmm. at, at one time. And so, what sort of locations yeah. do you guys pick? Where do they usually be? Are they held at the same place? Do you have like a regular? Yeah. We do now have a regular. So we're at CRU in Galston in New South Wales. Right. We're at CRU in Lake Macquarie. We're at Guy in ACT and Forest Edge in Victoria. And they're all basically your standard recreational camp. Like a kid would go um, to for school. Venue. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. right. Because we, we utilise their facilities for, for camp activities and things like that. So. And yeah. is it is it self-funded? The children attend free of charge or do they pay some sort of fee to come to the camp? That's a good question. So um, we fully fund all of our camps Crap. so that there's really? no cost to the child. Yeah. <laughs> I did not think that was going to be the answer. Oh, well, my really? Lord. Yeah, I thought like, you know, yeah. I honestly thought maybe they just pay a subsidised rate. No. That's amazing. No, because, I mean, what we know is that a lot of... I would say 90% of the children that attend a camp have lost a parent. So yeah. um, it's much higher than a sibling. So that changes the dynamic of a family income. the most. Yep. Yes. Yes. Understood. The most. Absolutely. And then, and again, when I say that, a higher amount, um, of, when I say parents, a higher amount is father yes. lost. Yes, yes. And More we all know mother. that, unfortunately, the fathers usually are the ones that are the main income earners yeah. in a household. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And if if the family haven't been proactive with life insurance and setting up all those kinds of things, mm-hmm. which I think most people... I haven't, so yeah, most people haven't. ...feel like that, yeah. yeah. So they get to this point where they never think anything's going to happen and then they find themselves... Um, you know, having to work so much, like, um, you know, a parent has to work and then take care of the kids on their own and yeah. it just creates so much financial stress mm. and emotional stress that happens. We just want them to be able to come, enjoy themselves, 
have an experience and um, I mean they're entitled to that I feel yeah they they absolutely are so we we spend um, a lot of time trying to make corporate connections um, to help with the funding we run uh, events so we we rely heavily on our events to fund our camps as well right and then um, we have one philanthropist who has been around since day one mm-hmm. um, who has had uh, a childhood bereavement experience herself and her and her family have supported us um, by funding, you know, I won't even do her justice, but yeah. they've funded, you know, two camps a year for us as well as always um, attending events and introducing us to people like incredible support there yeah yeah so, so I imagine so there would be there would be a hefty uh, amount to run these camps um, I'm assuming yeah. the uh, service team that are providing all these counseling and and activities and the venues themselves I would assume they subsidize it somewhat so that it can be more affordable so that you don't have to yeah. raise so much funds to have these camps. Yeah, so pretty much the whole team that attends a camp, um, we have, I think there's only two paid staff that come to camp and right. the rest the rest are volunteers. So all of our delivery team, all of our facilitators volunteer their time to attend our camp. Wow. Um, and that includes our virtual camps as well. Mm-hmm. Everyone's volunteers. So, mm-hmm. yes, that's a huge subsidy for us um but when you when we sort of scale it back especially with inflation at the moment we're looking at about 1500 per child to attend a two and a half day camp wow and it's a it's about seven and that includes the cost of their mentor yes and and then um so that includes food accommodation lodging um resources mm. so we you know we gift them with all of their workbooks and their um they all get a t-shirt for each day and those kinds of things that goes for the mentor as well yes um so it's about fifteen hundred dollars for the camp magic program and then for your virtual camp um it's about 750 right. to cover the cost and then uh, Let's Talk Suicide has been funded by the New South Wales Ministry of Health wow. in line. So that's been an amazing achievement for us to get that funding because it's so important at the moment, the huge suicide rates. And was that obtained after COVID? It was during. During, okay. We actually started the application just before and then once uh, COVID hit, we actually pivoted the application to be a virtual camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, original is going to be face to face. So since then, we've we have run a family day camp mm-hmm. for Let's Talk Suicide as well, and we'll be looking to do two of those next year as well. To so beneficial for yeah. families who have you know suffered bereavement by suicide. There's just That's a, a different h- layer of emotions that yes. come with it. Yes. Yeah, I can imagine it's not the same as mum was sick and or mum or dad was sick and they passed away because their body couldn't recover. Even though, yeah. in my mind, I always hold uh, suicide as mental illness. It's it's oh, it's just as, if not more, because it's so 
taboo and so not recognized yeah. as as it should be yeah. that it is just yeah. um, it's just an illness of the brain and unfortunately it succumbs you know people succumb to it just yeah. like if it was cancer yeah and there's a lot of a lot of fear and a lot of um and rightly so but there's a lot of stigma as well attached to even just the word suicide yes and so when you're talking about a child who has had that kind of bereavement there's just so much to navigate you know how much do you say to the child do you use the word suicide do you tell them what happened exactly then you've got all the issues around method and yes um it is it is so complicated yes um and you know if if a if it's sudden and it's a heart attack it's like there's nothing we could do but and if it's cancer usually the person who's died has fought incredibly hard to survive mm. and so they're almost they're a hero yeah. at the end of their journey yes. and then but if you look at a, a person who's suffered from um, mental health issues for years and years and years and they just can't take it anymore yeah. then they don't get that hero status at the end they're no. there's it just comes with so much devastation so because as we know too people that have suffered from mental illness my, myself included we have a we have a really good uh way of hiding it and mm. uh a lot of people who die to suicide you you always hear like I, I had a cousin who passed uh due to suicide and it was constantly at the funeral uh i didn't know he was depressed he, oh, he was yeah. the happiest guy you would ever met he always seemed happy he always seemed yeah. up you know and that's because they're so hard to try and have that persona and yeah. for families and kids they don't know that inside mm-hmm. their their parent or their person is slowly dying inside That's because right. it's not like cancer you don't see someone visibly getting sick and ill and yeah and not um not well anymore it's it's a really it's will it's very well hidden yes that's and I amazing think for, a child, for a child who's grieving as well no, depending on their developmental age too, they think it's their fault. Yes. And yes. so I'm not even just talking about suicide. Like a child will find a way to think, I didn't spend enough time with that. I yep. was mean to him. I He's gone because I did X, Y, Z. And, yep. you know, a lot of blame comes in for themselves and they just, you know, they just don't know how to process such yes. painful feelings and they Shove it down, shove it down. Yeah. Even us as adults do that. But then we also have that reasoning in our heads that like, don't be silly, that's silly. Or you focus on the last conversation you had with that person. And if it's not a pleasant one, then God Mm -hmm. knows a lot of blame and a lot of um, ownership goes on that crappy confrontation or or situation. And that's like, oh, well, if I was nicer to them, of course they wouldn't have died of an aneurysm or blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Like that unreasonable part of your brain. So, and kids do do tend to take the blame for a lot of things when parents separate, Mm. lots of things. It's, you know, it's not an easy road to navigate. It's amazing that you guys, it's, and honestly, I'm brutally honest, I'd never heard of you guys before I'd spoken to this person at, um, at death cafe so i'm so glad i went and i'm so glad i learned about you guys it's it's amazing what you do so the the volunteer mentors yeah do they have to i would imagine are they do they need to be uh qualified they just or they just do they have to suffer from a similar loss or is it just they just want to be helpful most of the time um so they literally can be any walk of life they just have to be over 18 yep 
Um, and we put them through a series of checks. So a police check that has to be updated um, every 12 months. We put them, they have to have a working with children check or the equivalent mm-hmm. for their state. Yes. Um, and then a 100-point ID check as well yep. to ensure that we've got the right person. Yep. Once they clear their checks, then we um, put them through an e-learning uh, platform. It's about an hour and a half of training all about child protection, um, the ins and outs of our organisation, um, what to expect at camp, like a, a various subjects, um, you know, how to speak to a grieving child. We equip them fully. And then we invite them to, once they pass um, their e-learning training, then we invite them to come to a face-to-face. It used to be face-to-face training, but it currently has been held in, on Zoom. We'll mm-hmm. get back to face-to-face next year. Yeah. But um, currently we train them on Zoom. It's about a four-and-a-half-hour training, four-and-a-half hours to six hours. And basically um, we try to give them an experience of what camp will be like. So we go through... Um, a lot of the activities, some of the activities that the kids will do just so they have an experience of what the kids will be going through yeah. at camp to help them best support their camper. But yeah, we have, we've had the oldest volunteer we had was 70 and the youngest is 18. Wow. So um, everywhere in between, we struggle, really sh- struggle to get male mentors mm-hmm. Um Every camp, we're sort of, you know, on the phones chasing yeah. and asking people. Mm-hmm. Um, we always have surplus female volunteers. Yes. I, but start, it is, I assume it's, not to sound sexist, but I, I assume it, it's beneficial to the male children uh, or those who identify as male to have a male role model. They, they feel more comfortable. Yeah. yeah, we do. We do the matching mostly, I would say, you know, 99% of the time with um, female to female when we when we match children. Occasionally we match them based on some of their, their needs. You know, often a child, uh, especially a male child who's lost a mum, mm-hmm. they really enjoy having a female okay. um, energy with them at camp. Yeah. Um, especially if all their siblings are brothers, you know, it depends on, it really depends on each child's needs, how we match them. But so they, yeah, when they we ask, fill out some paperwork of, as to like yeah. what they prefer, what they yeah yeah. So we we ask explicit questions about you know for both the camper and the mentor yeah about um, you know what their interests are, what their personality is like. Um, we ask the mentor what age group they're more they would feel more comfortable with. Uh, we asked the camper what kind of mentor they'd be looking for or the, the parent, you know, what what kind of mentor they think the camper would like, you know, someone energetic or someone really softly spoken. You can be really specific and, um, and yeah, we just, we just match them in terms of their interests or we ask the mentor um, a good question that we like to ask is what were you interested in when you were a child? So sometimes our our um, hobbies change mm. so but you know if you're a child who loved Barbies then put it down as your interest from when you were younger because 
It's going to be a yeah, nice it's a, good, trip. it's a good way yeah. to match. Yeah. yeah. We just have a bigger picture of who you are because your interest in right now right now might be gardening, which doesn't really match with any kids. There's not a lot of kids that put gardening as their interest, yes. you know. Yes, yep. Lego and dinosaurs and those kinds of things come up. So, well, that's yeah. awesome. And the, I'm assuming the, vent, the the volunteer mentors, they don't pay to attend a camp? It's all no. covered they're, for them as they're well? They're funded as well. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And ha- um, so how do the kids go solo with no family with them do you do you find it's tough for them do you ever have kids who you know opt out like not can't do the two and a half days or or they're all pretty much keen to go oh it's really really varied i think um so one of the key things that a grieving child experiences and you know i see it day in day out on application that they suffer really badly with separation anxiety from yes. their surviving parents, yep. which just seems obvious Yes, um, for obvious reasons. Yeah. So that can be uh, really difficult, but uh, it's a really good opportunity for the child to grow and for the parent as well. So uh, each child's different in how we approach. If they do have that kind of anxiety, um, so we'll set up some key things that are appropriate to them, like, you know, we're going to call mum at this time and this time and this time and check in. Or maybe we say sometimes with the teenagers who actually don't want to be there, mm-hmm. uh, we'll say if you can just get there, if you can just get your child there, then let us do the rest. We, we, um, and then when we negotiate with the teenager, okay, we've, you've got this coming up. Can you please, um, can you just stay until we get to dinner? And then uh, we'll, I'll check back in with you. And then we get to dinner and I'll say, oh, do you want to stay for dinner? Yeah, I'll stay for dinner. Okay. All right, I'll check back in with you in an hour. And then we just always give them the option that they can go at any time they want. Yes, but they have to they give it a always go. They are always in control, but, um, yeah, we just help them to stay comfortable. And the, the program does it, works its magic yeah. anyway. They suddenly be, see that they're in a safe place. Um, they feel supported by their mentor and they think, oh, actually, this is not too bad. And at our last camp, we had a very um, colourful, I would say, colourful teenager who was you know very had quite a few tantrums on the way to camp and wasn't very happy about coming to camp and she's like I'm not going to stay and then on the Sunday she got up on the microphone and in front of everyone said despite all my efforts of trying to hate it here I don't so that's awesome thank you I had a great weekend and I'll be back (laughs) that's the best (laughs) feedback ever I know I think in in camp history we've had two kids go home yep because they couldn't handle the structure but what I will say about that is that also I think I think in the past we have there's been a lot of parents not even reach out to us because in their heart they know that their child won't last for two and a half days yes well, if kids um, haven't so been on a camp, if they haven't got, if they ha- if they don't have the funds, they can't go on a school camp per se. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of them, like, I mean, I'm 
me myself I never really got to have much sleepovers at anybody else's house when I was a kid yeah I mean granted yeah. I had both parents but we just I don't know my mum was one of those helicopter parents that couldn't let me go and I only yeah. I think you know I think I slept over at two people's houses in my entire childhood yeah, right. sort of thing. so some yeah. kids and I know some kids nowadays too don't really haven't really had the opportunity to sleep over some people's houses yeah. I invited one of my daughter's friends to sleep over and her mum said I'm not really comfortable with that your mm. daughter can sleep over my house but I'm not comfortable with her sleeping over anybody's house so yeah. um it's yeah it's one of those things where the, if they haven't got the opportunity to be away from home and yeah. like you said which is pretty explanatory but you know if they have lost a parent then their ties to that living remaining parent is tighter than ever and they don't have anyone else to to bounce back off they don't have a a father or or a mother to bounce back off they're just their focus and as those parents I can't imagine what it's like having all those kids without someone to offload to and to bounce off Mm -hmm. it must be so tough for them as well yeah it would be it would be do you think multiple kids partly that's Partly that's why we created the family day camp Mm -hmm. as like an introduction. So we're not discounting those kids that can't stay overnight. They can still come and have an experience. And And it's close too. It's close enough that they can go home and come back the next day. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. So, and the virtual camp opens it up for them to be able to be in the safety of their own home. Yeah. Yeah. and that's been a really good introduction into camp as well so that we're not just yeah we've got a variety of options for families to tap in yeah do you have multiple family members attending a camp at the same time so if there is three children in that family can they if there's space and you know can they all attend at the same time oh we would always so if if a child is has an application if a family has an application in, we wouldn't offer a spot to one kid and not the others. Okay. So, yes, if all three have applied to come to camp, they then all, all three would come. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And how do you yeah. how do you deal with the with the parent? Because I can imagine that would some parents would absolutely lose their mind having all their kids in their in their care twenty four seven, and then not having yeah. anyone and then nothing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> So we offer them at the start of camp on Friday afternoon, uh, we offer them a workshop. Mm-hmm. So um, they drop their kids off, which can be quite an emotional experience yeah. for some. Some kids are super excited. Yeah, it's not all doom and gloom. No. Like kids are kids. They're like, I'm going to camp. Yep. Awesome. I'm excited. Um, but yeah, for, for those who are really struggling, um, with all, for all family, all parents, we invite them to a, a parent guardian workshop with our psychologist. That's cool. And basically, um, it's almost like to calm one to calm their nerves about what's about to happen. Yeah. So we give them explicit details, even though we've provided it before. It's really nice to sit in a circle with other family, other families and parents. Yeah. And talk about what's going to happen this weekend, and and also um, the psychologist will talk to them about how they're going to be feeling about the weekend without their kids. Yeah. And for some of them, it might be the first time. And um, how they're going to self-care and look after themselves. And then we invite them back early on Sunday morning um, for another workshop where we, we they sort of get to delve a little bit into their own grief and we teach them the tools that we've taught the kids throughout the weekend. So 
Wow. There's some key um, de-escalation tactics that we have so that when kids are having big emotions, they know how to deal with them and we teach those to the parents. So when they go home, they're on the same page. That is amazing because, you know, the, yeah. the focus you think is on these children but, it, you oh, know, the parents, the parents are grieving. Are, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's a really tough yeah. situation. That's amazing. And, and, and they're, grieve, they're grieving not just the, maybe the loss of their partner or their child, like the loss of your child. I, I Honestly, I cannot even comprehend. Mm-hmm. But not only are they grieving that, but they're also like looking at their child grieving and it just, it must be overwhelming. Mm. Wanting to be strong for your kids, but at the same yeah. time not having the opportunity to break, like when you break down, you think, oh God, I've damaged them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if I show yeah. them how I'm feeling, then that's going to make them feel more unstable and that's stoic. And you know what? A lot of kids, a lot of kids feel in the in the same way. Yes, they they got to support the parents. Kids parent. feel like, oh, I better hold it together because I don't want to upset mum or I don't want to upset dad. Yeah. Um, no one wants to rock the boat. Mm-hmm. Everyone's scared of the big Everyone's emotions. Actual fact, if we just let them be and let them come and and we process them. Yep. They don't, They're sometimes so they don't even hang around very long. Yep. So it can be a real relief. And essentially after, especially at camp on the Saturday night, a lot of kids say, wow, I feel so good after having a big cry. It does. It is, it is um, an amazing yeah. release. So cathartic for them. So, so is, is this your full-time jobs now, you and your husband? Um, it feels it like it's mine. a full-time position. <laughs> It is mine. So my husband has stepped away. He's actually he's on a burnout hiatus at the moment. Yep. He has worked incredibly hard. Um, he, so he, what we what I I was sort of like camp coordination, and he was um, corporate partnerships funding. So he was always on the phone and out doing presentations and talking to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and bringing in the money and to be honest with you once we actually had two kids of our own he's like I cannot do this anymore it's mm-hmm. too much mm-hmm. so he's just sort of taking a break mm-hmm. and um, yeah I work full-time at Feel the Magic and um, we have a huge team we have a CEO now um, who took over from my husband who's incredibly experienced running large organizations so that's been an, an amazing um Help. transition for us yes it's almost like we're going from small charity to large yep. or medium to large and um you know it's our dream that everyone every household in australia knows that we exist so that when and if any child ever needs us yep. they know that we're here that's, you know? that's pretty they awesome. know who to reach out to so and what sort of yeah. um, uh, what sort of effect has this had? I mean, I know you said your husband's on a current burnout sort of break, but how how does like I know this can be a very this could be very emotionally uh, oh, the word's gone out of me, but you know, like it weighs heavily on you guys to see these oh, families yeah. and to know that all this pain is going on. It, it's, it makes you feel good, obviously, doing good and yeah. helping them, but I can yeah. imagine this must be. It's not your. It's not your regular. It's got to be tough. Yeah, I. 
Yeah, I personally, myself, I speak with families day in and day out and um, hearing the stories can be incredibly heartbreaking and, and at times feel really hopeless. Mm. Um, but then, like last, at the end of last weekend, we had this huge lead up to our virtual camp and then for 24 kids to come through the camp and then Monday morning I opened my inbox and I've got messages from all these parents that I've been talking to over the last few months saying how amazing the program was and thank you, I'm so glad we found you. It's, it's so worth it. Um, but yeah, I do have to care for myself and my own mental health. I see a therapist. Um, I have a coach that I that I speak with fortnightly. Oh, that's really good. Um, to ensure that my own mental state is okay, because yeah, it does bring up my own grief journey and yeah. um, trigger me sometimes. But at the same time, on the flip side, it's incredibly humbling to. I just think the kids that we put through our programs are the most amazing, brave kids I've ever met in my life. So that's pretty awesome. They, uh, they're kind of, you know, essentially they're the forgotten kids because mm. people just don't. And you, I know you will know what I'm talking about, but people just don't see grieving and loss and death as something that we need to address. Or <laughs> yes. It's yeah. not until you're going through it that you realize, holy shit, I've got no tools to deal with this. I don't know what to do with myself. And yeah, yeah we want to change the conversation around grief and healthy grieving. Just you talking about the camp and the things that you like, the things you do with the kids. Like, I'm sitting there going, what was the age group again? Because I think. I could have definitely, I could have definitely benefited from this when I lost my mum. Yeah. But granted, I was twenty eight. I'd lost yeah. my dad when I was twelve, but I lost my mum when I was twenty eight. I'm like, geez, I'm sure I could pass as a kid. Like this, this would be good. <laughs> like this, this is needed. Even the, I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned you you include the 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 parents. It feels like this could be so worthy of so many people. I mean, definitely, yeah. definitely the kids need it because they need to adjust to their new world. But yeah, yeah, it's just it's so worthwhile, and yeah, it, no one discusses like after the funeral's gone. There's this lull, and then they tend everyone gets back to normal life, and yeah. it's they're just well, they're everyone else gotten, gets back. Yes, to everyone normal else. Life. Yes, yeah, everyone else. But the family the has to adjust. The person who's suffering is suffering in silence, and then yeah. you know, months down the track, they're like, "Are you still upset?" Oh, uh, yes. And one of the things I say if people ask me, "Oh, how come?" A, a lot of people reach out to me now and say, oh, my friend just lost her husband. What should I do? It's like, you know what? Just be there for her now, but in six months' time and in a year's time, drop off a lasagna. Like, mm. don't stop doing those things. Yeah. Send, send your husband around to mow her lawn or the practical things in life yeah. that become overwhelming are the things that you can help with. But don't do it just for the first few months. Yeah. Like, we're talking years. Yes. You know, like, if you really want to help, that's how you can help. Pick up their kids from school or... Yeah, because these people, like, you know, parents and siblings, when they go missing from the picture, when they pass away, like, this, they are in the forefront of your mind every single second of every single day. And, you know, six months will pass and then something will happen and then... 
then you know something will flag with them and and it will bring it all back like it's day one or it'll be a birthday or it'll be a father's day or it'll be an anniversary or it'll be a song on the radio like that when someone is in front of you 24 7 and then they they go away you don't that is a different type of grief that and when you said are you not over it yet oh my god I don't know how Mm. many times because I'm I'm a group I'm in a group of um women called motherless mothers and we get when I'm in the group with other women and they share their stories and they say, and they, that is the most common thing they get told all the yeah. time. Like it's been years now. Aren't you over it? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I, I would, God, I would forbid anyone would dare say this to a child, but I mean, I was 28 when my mum passed away and they said, yeah, I had one person say to me, but it's the natural order for a parent to die before a, a child. Mm. Like, why are you upset? Mm. And Gosh. yeah. Um, you know, you'd be so. Uh, I have, I honestly have a dictionary of horror stories. I like, bet you do. <laughs> like a teacher who said to a child who had lost their dad six months prior, who was acting out at school, and the teacher rang the t- <laughs> the mother and said, "Oh, he's acting out. He's doing all these things. You know, what's going on with him?" And she's like, "Well, he lost his dad, so he's struggling." And she's like. Yeah, but that was six months ago. Oh, for fuck's sake. Sorry. I know. It's it's horrendous. And do you know what? There's all these, like, um, phenomenons that I have just from speaking to hundreds of families. Like, say if a a, um, parent loses their partner, Mm -hmm. um, you know what's really common is that the the partner's family, so the person who's died's extended family disappears. Yes. Yes. I would so imagine these children so. not only lose, say, their mum or their dad, they but then they lose their grandparents, their aunties and, and uncles and cousins. Yes. It's just oh. insane. Like, oh, the horror stories that I hear, and, you know, so many parents have this experience where, um, you know, say within their school community, as an example, they, they might start dropping the child, you know, they're get, getting back to their daily activities and they start dropping the child back at school again and the amount of people that avoid eye contact and quite literally cross the road to make sure they don't walk past that person because they don't know what to say yeah they don't they don't know how to and that might be a person that always said good morning or always said hello or even stopped for a chat and now that person says nothing yeah because they don't know what to say and and I think it's not that hard to just say, are you okay? Yeah. Oh, how are you going today is a really good, because yeah. obviously they're not doing well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's obvious. So yeah. you can't say, how are you going? Yeah. Well, you can, but. Yeah. Quite, the response would probably be, oh, I'm okay. Yes. Yeah. But, because it, it the way the question is asked often uh, is the way that it, it determines the answer so yeah. if it's that general how are you doing everyone's going to say okay because no one wants to hear the real on the answer of my life's shit and i'm hot i'm you know i'm struggling i can't even i don't want to get out of bed in the morning blah 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 blah. no one wants to hear that so no one says that true response mm, yeah by saying are you doing all right like are you coping okay can i do anything to help then that triggers with somebody knowing oh so they're actually not just doing the regular hey how you doing they get it 
and I can be real with them and go, no, no, today's a good day. I'm, I'm not too bad today or, yeah, today's a tough one. It's their birthday yeah. or an anniversary and stuff like that. Just little gestures. It's, just, it's the way that people talk to you. And if people don't talk to you, sometimes that is just as, it's just as loud yeah. as yelling it in someone's face being treated like a leper like there's something wrong with them yeah and I know it's merely from people most of the time not knowing how to that they there is the fear of asking in case there's an their response is something they can't handle yeah they they don't know what to say yeah but I think also on on the flip side to that I think people come out of the woodworks in those situations as well Mm. so people that they least expect their whole, yes. their whole setup of their whole life changes. It's mm. not just they lose their partner or their child. Mm-hmm. It's like their friendships change, um, you know, their work situations change. And then I think people are always confused about how they can help and they ask, oh, if there's anything I can do, they reach out, is there anything I can do? And often the person who's grieving actually has no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's good to be thoughtful about what you do have to offer. Mm-hmm. And so um, and instead of reaching out and deliver. saying, is there something I can do? It's just like if mm. you think to yourself, oh, actually uh, the only thing I can offer is a meal, so maybe I'll do that. It's so cliche, but it's so important for a grieving person mm-hmm. to eat well. Mm-hmm. Um, and if maybe you could send your husband around to mow the lawns or maybe you could pick up the kids from school or drop them at an activity if you've got a spare day yep. or well, just say i'm going to take the um, kids to the park do you need anything if you yeah or if you're a lawyer and you might want to say oh do you need any help getting your affairs in order like there's just so much to do in that yes. in those first few months as well mm-hmm. so helping them navigate that can be can be really good yes no those they're all very very good points that i didn't even think of to be honest um Mm. what was i gonna say i lost my train of thought uh even i just had this thought uh in my local school i know of someone who's um the, the family that attended the primary school they lost their father to suicide and yeah. um, they at the time there was a lot of support. I feel like you know it's been a, f- a couple of years and that seems to dwindle off. And I notice, um, like I know the family, and I'm just like, okay. I mean, this is years and years, but I'm just thinking prior to that, like even just you know if you know them on say Facebook or something, sending the link to feel the magic, sending the link mm. to. You know, do you, that sort of thing gets the ball rolling just so they they know about it. It helps. It helps them yeah. by you know you. I mean, I, I imagine honestly, I don't think I would be stepping out of bounds to do that. I don't think that would be a presumptuous thing to just sending them a link saying, "Did you hear? Have you heard about these guys? They can really help if you need it." Yeah, I, I saw this advertised, and I or yeah. I saw I heard, I found out about this, and I thought of you immediately. Yeah. I thought, I thought you guys might be interested in something like this and leave it at that. Yeah. 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 I don't think it's inappropriate to make suggestions and um, just to make them aware of mm. what we do. Yeah. And interacting with these families too, a lot of people tend to avoid the conversation surrounding that person who's passed away. Talk yeah. about them. Don't stop talking well, about them like they're gone. Well, I think people's 
think, oh, I don't want to upset them or yeah. I don't want to bring it up in case they get upset. But it's like it's there anyway. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not like you bringing it up will make them remember. That's They're right. They've never yeah. forgotten. No, so you right. bringing them up. Actually, you know, grieving people love to yes. talk about their people who we have do. passed. Yeah, we do. Absolutely. If no one else does, I'll bring them up. So it's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I notice a lot of people kind of like, they kind of look at me like, yeah, oh, that's right. And I'm like, yeah, 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 we can still talk about it. It's fine. Yeah. And some yeah. days it's a normal conversation and other days I'm blubbering like a fool, but that's fine. You just keep <laughs> trudging yeah. along and you just take it as it comes. That's really cool. Yeah. I think it's important too if you're a person who's supporting another person through this and you haven't been through it yourself is that, there's nothing to say or fix or there's nothing for you to do. Like people just want you to listen. Yeah. And you sometimes just being there them. is nice too. Just going there, having a coffee with them and just sitting with them Yeah, is, is one thing. I know from um, a, someone losing a, a, a husband or a partner, so to speak, the night times can be the worst time when yeah. they go to, when the kids go to sleep. There is there's that on the money. Yeah, there's that time where you normally have with your partner, or just simply going to bed and not having that person next to you. So like you know, sending mm-hmm. them a text or saying, do you you know what are you watching and stuff yeah. like that. That stuff helps too. You are so on the money. You are so on the money with that. Yeah, because we get so many inquiries at like two o'clock in the morning. Oh really? That's what they're doing. They're yeah. up and they're like, I need help, and they're searching and. And yeah, I've you know just by knowing a lot of um, parents who have lost their partners, yeah, that's what they do. That's finally their downtime, and yes. they're either you know they're binge watching something or yeah. they're googling how they can help or they're studying because yeah. they need to better themselves, get a new job. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That time of night seems to be the time where it's their their time and they yeah. can't sleep anyway because they're grieving and they've got insomnia. Yeah, so. yeah. When everything else goes quiet, that's when your brain makes the most noise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. there's no children to focus on. That's or... right. Yeah. You're forced to look inward instead of outward. It's yeah. it's very true. So do yeah. you, I, you, when's your next upcoming camp? So you just had um, one recently. It was yeah. the weekend before Father's Day, correct? Yeah. So, uh, did that yes. coincide with Father's Day? Was that a, was that no, a, it was no? It was just a week. A... We would never, we would never put a program on that on a Father's Day or a Mother's Day because we just know how. Oh, not on the actual day, but if it was like the week before, so it wasn't focused yeah, on so, the kids that had yeah, lost their dad, like in preparation no. for that upcoming event. No, okay, but so we did um, address the fact that it was next weekend and make suggestions for kids who, of what they could do, and we yeah. did have in our in our sessions have a little chat about it. Yeah, um, and we had a beautiful Father's Day campaign so people could download stuff that um, about how to talk to someone about their dad who yeah. might be gone. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so our next camp is in Sydney is in December mm-hmm. um, and then our 2023 camps are not being announced as yet. Okay. Uh, we're still locking everything in. Yeah. I imagine um, for them to find information about those things, they just basically go to your website. Yeah. So we have, a, we have a process of just like filling out an inquiry form on the website mm-hmm. and then we have a beautiful lady named Lauren who's our intake officer and she'll call, she calls every family mm-hmm. um, and speaks to them about what their needs are and then she'll make suggestions about 
what camps are coming up and when they can sort of get in and what's next for them and that kind of thing. So like I said, the Healthy Grieving Program comes up every three months. So... And that's not um, capped, is it? Or can, is it limited to how many people can join that? You said that there was 12. Yeah, yeah so we cap each program at 12 for the online session to right. keep it intimate. Yeah. But if we have more, then we split the group and we just get two more volunteers. And so like last weekend we had two groups um, coinciding. Mm-hmm. And then this weekend again we've got our seven to nine group and we've got two groups running so one's got 10 and one's got 11 kids and they just run via zoom so it's just easy peasy sort of thing yeah they just log in via zoom we actually send them this really cool resource box in the mail that they get to open it's like a present and it's got their workbooks and um some stationery they get a t-shirt and a few other bits and pieces they get a beautiful book about grief um inside that pack as well so yeah they they get to feel that excitement of receiving their resource box in the mail. And being part of a community too, getting a shirt. Mm. They're part of this cool club that they feel included and not so Mm. segregated and alone. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And online on the website too, as well as the intake of kids, I'm guessing that's where people can go to uh, put their hand up to be a volunteer mentor. Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like you'd be a really good one, actually. Well, I, it's but, funny. Um, no, no, it's all right. It's you know how many times I've been vol- like, and I'm I I'll be brutally honest with you. I'm probably like, all right, I'm going to say this the nicest way I can. I'm a volunteer <laughs> whore. Like I volunteer for a lot of things. I volunteer at Mardi Gras. I volunteer oh. at Parkrun. Like I, the high that I get from volunteering, it's very addictive. And yeah. not to sound selfish, but it's very nice. And you want yeah. that high. It's really nice. I wonder though, with my own. Uh, with my own sadness and loss, I don't know. I yep. don't want to make it worse for a kid if their mentor yeah. is this fuckstick who, yeah. who's a bit loopy <laughs> at times sort of thing. But you, it sounds like the yeah. training, or it is, the, the training you give yeah. them is absolutely extensive, like a six-hour yeah, online course. It sounds hardcore. Yeah. And then also, though, um, when you're at camp, you, you know, like we have all these amazing supports sort of um, – weaved in so there's like moments that you can go and see a psychologist on your own if you need to check in like if you're not doing too well we yeah. have all of these ways to support the mental step as well so That's um your emotional um well-being is absolutely looked after so we have like a mental liaison that you can go to one-on-one mm-hmm. and then yeah i think like People are, and that I think that's one of the key fears around coming is like, what if I'm emotional too? Yes. And the thing, the thing is that um, everyone's emotional. Yes. It's emotional. Like yes. you can't avoid it. It's, Someone who hasn't lost a parent or hasn't lost someone close to them, I still think they would, they would break they down. They do. And yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You can't. You wouldn't be human if you didn't look at a, a grieving child and your heart break for them. Like yeah. absolutely. But the the way that we structure the camp, you're going through the exact same process as the child. So we bring you down and let you have a cry, and then we bring you straight back up. Yeah. Um, so we'd have to be stoic and, and not show any emotion. So it's not unacceptable for a, no. a mentor to be crying along with no. their kid. Okay. No. All right. Even facilitators are crying. So okay. Um, so the crying amazing. thing is like it's a big deal. It's definitely okay to cry. And yeah. and I, what I would say to you is that I know a lot of 
people who have um, learnt a lot from our program as an adult, mm-hmm. um, just by volunteering as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I will be. Um, but, yeah, if, if anyone wants to volunteer, uh, the opportunities, there's so many different types of opportunities. There's, you know, facilitation team, our delivery team, which are the people who deliver camp, and then our mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do facilitation training online for anyone interstate. So if you want to deliver a healthy grieving program, you can. Um, so there's different roles. Then, it's not just. Yeah, there's different types of volunteering. And then if you want to volunteer at events as well, we're, we're always looking for people to help out at events. But then if anyone wants to, so one of the key things that my husband and I wanted to set up in the beginning was that we didn't want to just be a charity that's standing in the middle of a shopping centre harassing you to donate some money. Yeah. Um, and please, I'm not disregarding what they do because it of actually course. works. Oh, we've, been, yeah. we've, we've been told, you know, so many times you should do that because it works. It does work. But we made this pact that we wanted to always give anyone who has it like wants to donate or um, be part of our events that they have an experience that's magical. And so, you know, our events, like if you want to attend them or be a part of them, our next one coming up is our biggest one for the year. It's called our One in 20 mm-hmm. Challenge. So we it comes off the back of the idea that one in 20 kids lose a parent by the time they're 18 here in Australia. Shit. And so That's a horrible statistic. Have, it's, it's quite shocking because it's not including sibling or legal guardian loss. Yep. And um, the stats are actually not even hugely reliable because um, they're so old uh, as well as, you know, yep. it's not valued enough. There's not a lot of stats around grief here in Australia yeah, for no. children, childhood oh. bereavement. Yep, no, it's but, not. Yeah, so we have the 1 in 20 challenge and... It's basically walk 120 k's of the month of October, raise awareness, raise money for Feel the Magic. So, oh, see, um, I love my walking. I get all my k's in all the time. All yeah. right, well, I'm going to be signing up for that one. So you can sort of sign up on the website. You create your little fundraising page and you can share it on your socials or um, uh, with your friends and things like that. And, yeah, you just clock up your numbers each each day, whatever you walk, you yeah. put in your numbers and then, um, yeah, the spots to write a blog post and, yeah, so a lot of our volunteers get right into it. Is because, there any feel-good merch for, for succeeding and getting the 120 yes. days? Yeah. Because you <laughs> so know what? Everyone end. loves a bit of bling at the end or a, or a participation <laughs> shirt. It's all about that. <laughs> At the end, uh, we do have some prizes, especially for the person who fundraises um, the most. Yes, yeah, the most. It's got the highest a, fundraiser. Got to be competitive. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, for sure. Thank um, you so much for having me today. No, I, thank you. I've talked your ear off too. Is there anything I haven't asked you that I've forgotten that you want to mention? No, I think I've covered a lot. Of oh, one thing I was going to ask: you mentioned feedback from the parents. Do you get? feedback from the kids is that something that you you do get to to hear from Uh, even just like apart from like on the Sunday from kids talking but like after the fact like or even like months down the track if it's helped them or yeah so we've got a couple of different survey options so for camp I'll just talk about camp magic we um have a third-party organization who track 
the impacts. Mm-hmm. So we ser- they're called Hoover Social, mm-hmm. and uh, they survey the children pre-camp. Mm-hmm. Then we survey them uh, right at the end of mm-hmm. camp, so literally on the last day they yep. get surveyed, and then we send it to them um, a month later yep. and ask them to fill it out again. Yeah. And basically, the questions are always the same, but we're just tracking their well-being, yep. overall well-being. So, um, yes, we get feedback in that way from the kids. Mm-hmm. It's all anonymous, though, and then, um, yeah, we just completed a research paper survey impact of the LTS Let's Talk Suicide program in conjunction with University of Melbourne which is amazing so that we can um, be really well informed about what the children need. So each of our new programs that we created we had um, put a group together which included you know stakeholders like parents children like past participants about what they would want and what they need as campers themselves yeah so yeah we're always looking for that kind of feedback are there statistics of children in this sort of situation like are they at risk is is this a real oh yes yes so a child who has suffered sorry i need to get this right no you're right a child who has suffered a um a bereavement mm-hmm. in childhood mm-hmm. so any kind of bereavement yes. they're six times more likely to die by suicide jesus which is huge yes i think yeah um that's an incredible but really number. we should be you know saying that we're we're in the business of early intervention as prevention yeah yes. um but yeah they are more inclined to suffer from my, mental health issues from a younger age. Yes. Um, and it can have other devastating packs with their life. You know, they can lead to oh, the They're more sort of inclined to be involved life. with risky behaviours. Yeah. Drug like use. Crime and yeah. drugs and yeah. alcohol. Yes, yeah. yeah. I didn't realise And the impact is lifelong. Yeah. Oh, sure. yeah. Oh, yes. And then that can stem to their children. It's, it's a horrible yes. flow-on effect that that happens with. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for talking to me. I'm getting you to. I'm my just going to ask you to, t- to tag on when I say my sign off. But um, yeah, it was lovely, lovely to talk to you. Thank you so much, Christy. My pleasure. Thank Thanks, you. Lovely.